and say hello. I'm happy to see you. Good to see each and every one of us. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 I welcome us once again. It is, it is us plenty today. So as we are plenty today, you know, it, it is not by sight. Eh? Yes. We, know, we look few, but there are many in the spirit here Amen. with us. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Um, before we, well, I guess we're already going to the word. I just wanted to maybe take this opportunity today to just maybe do a, uh, to just use this opportunity to ask if you have any questions regarding past teachings before I continue. I feel maybe we need to maybe reset a little bit. I just, so I just wanted to feel maybe what you know questions in our heart regarding you know, some of the teachings we've been hearing and just to see if there's any questions so far amen amen, amen. do you have any question no question <laughs> amen so do you have any question i wanted to ask you the tent of the congregation is staying at tabana the what the tent of the congregation. Is it the same as Tabana? Yes. Okay. It is. <laughs> Amen. Any, any other question? So, so the, the, the tent of the... Of the congregation. The tent of the congregation. I mean, that's in Exodus, right? Yeah. Exodus 40. So in uh, which aspect is that? You said because I know in, in forty they were saying that uh, the tabernacle of the tent of the congregation, right? Set up the tabernacle of the tent of the congregation, right? And then later. That's the first in verse one, and the Lord spoke unto me, saying, "In the first day of the first month, shall thou set up the tabernacle of the tent of the congregation, and I shall raise it up." So, so which, which area exactly is where you are you are looking at? Just so, maybe I can just take a look at it. Yes, verse thirty-four, forty thirty-four. Okay, oh, at the end, okay. So, and then a cloud covered the tent of the congregation, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Yeah, it's the same thing. So, the tent of the congregation. So, they're talking about the tent that is in the area of the congregation. I mean, I guess this this will give us. I mean, I, 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 from past teaching, right? Just looking at the the setup of the tabernacle itself, right? Which speaks specifically to the journey of a believer, and um, God was giving Moses the uh, the 
the structure of what to build. So God was uh, telling Moses as they were moving in the wilderness um, how to build the temple because he is to replicate the temple that is in heaven on earth. And God in that time was typifying to Israel who are, who are meant to be the people of God what um, his own kingdom looks like. And it's also to show a kind of a kingdom on earth which the Israelite uh, would have. So then he now began to give them the, the I, know, I know it could be a little bit difficult, give them the, the, the tabernacle, right? But the whole setup, the whole setup is talking about uh, the court, right? Which is where the people congregate. So that's what they call the tent. So there's the, there's the tent of the congregation. So there's a place people congregate, and there's a place, and inside there, there's a tent. Right? So, and there's a, and that tent is actually the tabernacle. So the, sometimes they refer to the tabernacle as the tent of the congregation. Right? So it's, it's inside the court that people can congregate, really. So when everybody's coming, they bring their sacrifice. So they're all coming. All of them, when they come, they're congregating there. And then the priest or the, the Levites will take the sacrifice from their hand and then they will accomplish the service. So I can see in the beginning in that chapter uh, 40 verse 1, they talk about the tent of the congregation. Right? And so it's still the same thing. So the tabernacle of the tent of the congregation is the tabernacle. Right? Because of course, I mean, the tent just talks about a building, right? Inside it, you have the tabernacle. So I guess that's why maybe there may be a little bit of a difference and confusion, but it's not. So you have a tent, which is supposed to be a house. Yeah. It is inside there that they call the tabernacle. Amen. 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 So when you now move into the holy place, that's a tabernacle. Yeah. Most holy is also a tabernacle. Amen. Amen. So, is that all the questions that we have? So, as we've been listening, okay, okay, okay. So, that's all our questions. So, any question? Any question? Okay. So, I guess, so that means that everything we've been hearing, I guess, I mean, maybe because we stayed a lot of, we stayed a lot on that second concert of a form, maybe that's why I guess no question. So, we understand it. Perfectly. <laughs> you say by heart, are we? Okay, okay. All right. Since you say that uh, everybody, is, there's no question. I mean, maybe because others are not here today, to maybe that's maybe that's, that's not too much question. But it's all right. Uh, maybe next week Tuesday I'll ask again in case knowing we are maybe a lot more, and then see if anybody else have questions. Um, I just want to make sure that what we're learning is understandable. It is not uh, looking to gibberish. It is not looking to um, too foreign. Amen. Amen. Because the things of the scripture are actually meant to be understood. Right? Uh, God didn't just tell their rights before. Give it to people. Let them read it. But let them not understand it. Wow. You know, God didn't do that. God wants us to understand. Amen. Amen. 
Although there are some things of God that is kept away to those that are really, really looking for him. To those, I mean, I believe on Tuesday we are talking about the seekers of the kingdom of God. Now, it is to those that seek the kingdom that these things pertain to. Things that God hid. Amen. Um, or, we don't, or we don't believe God hid some things. There are things God hid. Not on purpose. Well, should I say not on purpose? Probably on purpose, actually. Probably on purpose. Because those things are far too too precious, too risky for people to just come into like that. I guess and it's probably partly because of the, the nature of his person, the nature of his being. Um God does not God can't can't corrupt is life. Now, there is one thing that is in the heart of God, and that is to share his life. So the old, the old, the old summary of us getting born again, right? With Jesus coming to die, all those things happening, or why are we Christians in the first place? Is the, the main, the main, the main, the main, the main reason is that God is looking for people he can share his life with, mm. and that's it. But the person, the people that will take his life must be willing to receive it. So it's not just that we are take uh, They must be willing and they must love it. They must want it. It's not just, you know, the same way, let's say if, ah, what's that example? What the typical example is, if we don't, if we didn't use our money to buy certain things, you know, sometimes we don't, we don't value them. So maybe, maybe because, uh, let's say, uh, I mean, there are some things that even if we use our money to buy, they give it to us or take care of it. But I'm just looking at, I'm looking for certain things that is very, very negligible. Like things, but, uh, but we can see it is relatable in such a way that some things that we didn't, or let me put it this way. <laughs> maybe this one is easy. If we actually didn't pay to go to school, I'm pretty sure most of us would probably drop out. Because man, leave that thing, man. School's hard. School is hard, man. <laughs> so sometimes when school is getting really, really tough, and then we just remember the money we paid. I'm like, ah. Especially for international students, imagine we paid at least maybe one thousand two for one course, and I'm like, ah. Man, I pay one thousand two for this course. I must pass. Let me finish. Oh, what's that? Almost time. Ah. I don't want to take our time today. Uh, because, you know, we've paid 1002 we may not want to just throw away the course and feel like that. So we'll try all we at least, at least get a C. I mean, okay. Because me, at least, to some good, there some courses in school, me, I was I'm just saying, if I can get a C, that's all. As long as I don't get a D, then I'm okay. I know some of us, they will like school so much that is that it's always A plus. Always A plus we are gunning for. Some of us that are smiling, they just like school like this, like this, eh? Ah! It's good, it's not, it's not a bad thing. I'm just saying that. For people some people like you, I, I, there are some courses that I'm like, man, I cannot come at you, I cannot come at you myself. But but it's not because maybe I can't do it, just that I don't really like those courses. I don't know why. There's a particular course. Well, that course gave me a problem. I love other courses, loved, but that would be a problem. But I remembered 1002. 
Yeah, that, that money is not easy to come by, man. Say, I must pass this course, so once I'm for I'll get away. So the same way, the things of God is like that. Right? God, God doesn't want to share his life with people that will easily just give, give up. Because it's just like, we don't want it. Yeah. And that life is too precious. Imagine that kind of, that kind of life, the life that created the universe. That life is what, what, what made everything. No, the Milky Way galaxy. Have you seen? If, if you've seen the Milky Way, I know. No, uh, it's only in pictures we see it. But I, I'm just hoping maybe one day God can maybe give us a, all a picture. Just make all of us at some point just see the universe, not by picture. No, there's no way we can see it. Maybe God will just allow us. Maybe we could enter a vision of something or try and just yeah, see the universe. I will just see the whole thing. Just seeing ordinary earth alone, just earth, yeah. earth alone itself. It's okay to tell that uh-uh. there's a higher power, right? And then God created all these things. Now imagine that kind of a person, that kind of a being, trying to share his life with men. Now it's not going to be easy to just give such life, especially when men's life have been corrupted. And that corruption is a threat to God's life. So Christianity is mainly about God looking to give life to men, right? That's just what Christianity is about. And Christianity is about inheriting that life, if that makes sense. So when we talk about Christianity, there's two ways. Or there's, there's what to consider. God wanting to share his life and people willing to take that life. Amen. And the funny thing is that the life of God may not be very, very pleasing or something we would want to go for naturally. And it's very, and it makes sense. Why? Because we have we have been used to other life. That's what we've been living. That's what is uh, that what makes sense to us. That's what is tangible. So it is very difficult to move from that angle to now begin to see another life. Because God's life is entirely foreign. Everything about God's life is foreign to the life that we as people know. So it's very, very, very foreign. It is, it is too separate. So when somebody gets born again today, and even at that instance, they have the Holy Spirit dwelling in them, it doesn't mean that they are aware of God's life or the person of God, that, that place is still far fetched from that kind of a soul. Wow. Well, because that soul is st- still have a knowledge, right? And that knowledge is not the knowledge of God, it's the knowledge of this world, it's the knowledge that Satan has been teaching men from Genesis, this is Adam fell, that's Genesis. So, since Genesis. Well, I mean, God has still been working, but think of since Genesis till now. I think that's a good timeline. From Genesis chapter 3 till now, what Satan has been doing is looking for a way to make sure that men die fully. Because when we ate the fruit, or when Adam ate the fruit in the beginning, Adam died, but he's not fully dead. If that makes sense. Why? Because there's still some measure of life in his soul. So because we are spirit, soul, body, that's how God made the living soul. There is the, there is the arrangement of the spirit. Now, that we are spirit. That's just a summary. So we are spirit. 
we have a soul that lives in a body. Now, as a spirit, the transaction of life is instant in there. If that makes sense. So the transaction, what I mean transaction of life means that the movement of life. Things are a lot faster in the spirit, but slower in the soul. Right? And also slower to the body. But the soul is, fa- is faster when it comes to processing, not the way computer process. How many of, how many of us, okay, I'm trying to look for what kind of, I can use to explain that kind of, that kind of a speed. And there's a way can have a okay, ah, who knows super computer? Do we know super computer? Well, I mean, you've heard of it before, right? <laughs> so, a super computer the, the concept of a super computer is that it can process an information at a terrific speed. So, and I now realize that our phones have been increasing in speed over time the speed at which they process information. So, for example, now this kind of phone, ah, I think I have another one. <laughs> So, this kind of phone and this kind of phone, they are not the same in the speed. You now realize that the reason why they are bringing new new phones every year is that, is it every year? Wait, is it every year? Oh, that's interesting. Probably every year. They release a, a new phone every year. Oh, wow, interesting. So, each time they release a new phone, the new phone has a, a, a faster processing speed than the old one. Now, I have a very, very old phone. I don't know where I put it. Ah, it's not here, Sha. I think I used to leave it here. Oh, it's, it's the Samsung S5. Because this one is now... Uh, okay, this one is S20. Uh, so, I have S5. Now, that S5 was the phone I bought a long... I can't remember which year. Maybe 2015 or 2016. Or 2014. I don't have it. I don't have it. I don't have 2014. But imagine a phone made in 2014 and a phone made in 2020... 2020 is it 20, 2022? 2020. You can imagine the kind of terrific speed that will be different. So now, when I carry that old phone, because it still works, although the battery is dead, and when I turn it on, the battery dies in like two seconds. But, but well, not necessarily two seconds, I'm just exaggerating, but the battery dies in like five minutes, just not too long. But there's one thing that is very, very clear. When I turn it on, and I'm waiting, and I press something, before the phone responds to me, it will take time. I'm like, what's going on? What's going on? I'll be pressing it, pressing it, then it will respond. I'm like, What's going on? Then I press this one. It will be instant. I was always wondering. Was always because although there are other technical details as why it is slow, because of course it is slower than it was originally when it was made. So there's some technical details. But what I'm still bringing out that even that original speed when it was made is still very 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 slow compared to the latest phone. Now that's the idea of a supercomputer. A supercomputer is a, is, is a computer that can process information at a terrific speed. Technically, more than our phone, the latest phone today, a supercomputer is, I'll say, it's almost like a technology of the future that they're developing now. If that makes sense. So it's something that, let's say, before they make a phone as fast as that, it might take like 10, 20 years. But it's already available. Because some people did it, produced it, and they hid it so we probably, we probably won't be able to see it until, until the nearest future. And by the time you now realize, by the time you have a supercomputer, some people have been using it way before it's public. That's mostly what US does also all the time. They, they have technology that nobody knows. They'll be using it function. Then before before all of us catch up, it's, it's, already, it's already too. It's already, they are not. They are not sure. It's outdated. 
and it's true. Now, most of the mainframe technology or technology that we have today is outdated compared to the technology that those secret services use. Because they are always researching, they're always thinking ahead of time. Right? So, they actually have technologies that you and I have no clue what it can do. Now, an example of that is recently during Ukraine and uh, Russia war. Um, and Russia was threatening everybody with nuclear weapon and nuclear missiles. U.S. just did a, a short, like a six, is it six or ten minute interview? And they just showed us one submarine that have terrific capabilities that nobody knew ever existed. And they be, when they begin to now check the technology of the of the submarine, now you realize that ah, this submarine is way more advanced than anyone else that we all are aware of. And what U.S. did is to just show Russia that see you that you are boasting and boasting that nuke everything. Don't worry, we have things that can that can neutralize all these things. And technically, what they are saying is that there is enough nuclear bomb on that ship to destroy Russia. Just that, just it's not all of their submarines, just one. And of course, there are fleets of submarines. So if one can destroy the whole Russia. So, what how will Russia bombard the whole world? Is it not to just, all of their, what Russia has, if they shoot it, they just intercept it, block it, and that's it. Right? So, the whole idea of what I'm saying is that we have technologies that have terrific speed. So, a supercomputer is a computer that is super. That's just the idea. It's a computer that is super. So, if you have a, if you have a computer today, see the way it functions, now have a supercomputer. Just the idea of when you have a natural man, and then you have Superman. Oh. You know that. You know, we've seen Superman. In the movie of Superman, I have seen So in the movie of Superman, you realize that Superman can block uh, bullets. When they shoot, they call him Man of Steel. When they shoot him, the bullet will drop off. But the regular person, when they shoot, it will pass through. That is dead. So that's just the idea of a supercomputer. But the characteristics of that is that it works at a terrific speed. So you can you can refer to the spirit of a of a man as a supercomputer, the soul as a regular computer. Then the, you cannot refer to the body as a as a no. It's not, not this one is even it's even close uh, to the body as you know you know don't care about the three ten. Do you remember don't care about the three ten? Yeah. Uh-huh, good. So. If you just imagine how slow eh, those phones used to be. Mm. You know, we don't know they are slow. They are very slow. Yeah. Uh-huh. They are not even a smartphone. Mm. They are not smart. Yeah. Not, they are not smart about those phones. They are just regular mobile uh, cell phones. Yeah. So they are very slow. So that's how you can check the speed. right? Mm. So this, the information in the spirit is almost instant. So when Adam sinned, right, what happened to Adam is that his spirit died because the rate of death inside that is pretty, pretty fast. So when he died, it doesn't mean that Adam fell down and died, right? Because obviously, he was still walking. So when I say that Adam died, we need to now know exactly what died inside Adam, right? So they're not saying that Adam's spirit died. 
But what does that really mean? It just means that Adam's spirit is shut off from God or from the light of God. Because in the beginning, it is the light of God that lighted every man that cometh into the world. Right? So it is the light of God that lighted every man. So it means that it is God that, because when you talk about light, right, the scripture refers to light as understanding, as knowledge. Right? So when God is giving light to Adam, what God is doing is that God is giving Adam the information about his life. Now that information is supposed to sit in Adam's soul, right? So that Adam can fully become someone that can carry God's life. Amen. Now, God's life can be resident in the spirit. But the knowledge of that life must, must be something that the soul understands and knows. Does that make sense? So, Adam must know God's life by knowledge. So, he must be able to transfer. You know, God's life is spiritual. Does that make sense, right? It's not something you can see. Not something you can just read like, John, like, I am going to school, right? Every time. God's life is not like, when you read, every time somebody slaps you, turn the right cheek. Every time somebody offends you, forgive. Now, I'm not saying that those things are not... They are, those things are written in scripture, right? Yeah. But you now realize that to, to actually execute those things has a lot to do with our nature. Has a lot to do with our will. So, for example, when somebody offends you now, before you forgive them, you actually have to think about it. Should I forgive this person? <laughs> but it's, if, if, if you probably take a break and ask you, oh, you know, God said that we should forgive. You'd be like, yeah, I do. Because reality is that we actually, we have, we have an idea. We have, we have read it. Because I'm trying to separate the knowledge here. It's a, it's a kind of knowledge, like knowing something is a kind of a knowledge. Right? Because that's the way the world knows. But there's something we call spiritual knowledge. It's, it doesn't function the same way. Spiritual knowledge is actually something that is actually sitting in the soul as life. That's what you call a spiritual knowledge. Amen? Amen. Now, natural knowledge... Oh, okay, let me natural knowledge is just knowing something. So, for example, I read... You know, for those of us that read books or watch movies, when you watch a movie, you, can, you, you know the movie. Oh, have you seen... Um, have you seen the... Pirates of the Caribbean, be like, yeah, I've seen it. Oh, yeah, that movie was awesome. In that place, we know it means that we have a knowledge of Pirates of the Caribbean. We know what was in the movie. We've seen all the you know scenes, information. Okay, what happened? What happened? Who did what? What happened? Yeah. That's an information, but it doesn't equate knowledge when it comes to spiritual things. So, just reading our Bible alone itself, just reading it alone, is not enough. But that's where we start from. Does that make sense? Yes. So I'm not negating the fact that we need to read our Bible. So reading our script, our Bible, scripture in itself is very important, but it's not enough. Why? Because there is something we need that must be added to that. It is called the Spirit. Amen. So when we are reading our Bible, 
without the without the inspiration of the spirit, you don't realize that you can actually find the, the, the Bible will not make any sense. So, what needs to flow, right? What needs to flow for us to actually gain, for us to actually gain, to actually have insight into knowledge of God is now realize that the, the, the Spirit of God needs to be activated within the soul. That is why when Jesus was living, he had to give the Holy Spirit, which you call the Comforter. So the work of the Spirit is plenty. Plenty. Without him, eh, let's say Jesus left, and then now, now to the apostles, all of you, start preaching. Start preaching to everybody. And then get them born again. Now realize that all of them, what they'll be using is something that is not spirit. They can talk to people, hey, uh, Jesus said we should preach, uh, you must be born again. Now realize that there won't be a flow. They themselves won't even understand what they are saying. So it's not, it's not by that. And that is why, oh, hey, or a typical example I can give is that. That is why somebody that carry Bible, right, and start without the spirit. You know some, some professors, I'm talking about professors, some professors, they will carry scripture and they'll be, they'll be talking about it in class, arguing as if it's philosophy. You know, realize that when you, when, if you engage scripture from that angle, you will never actually gain entrance into God's knowledge. Because it doesn't work by that. First of all, there must be faith. Because the word of God is based on faith. The old, the old, um, is it based? The old foundation for, the, for life as a believer is faith. So if you remove that, you might as well forget everything else. Because you need, for somebody to believe in a higher power, and say, I give my life to you, Lord Jesus. Mm. Faith is involved. Mm. So you can't just remove that and say, oh yeah, take your Bible, start reading, you know God. No, no. It won't work. It won't work. So somebody can take Bible, start reading it, and then they can have an encounter where Holy Spirit can get them born again, give their life to Christ, and their spirit to come and then they begin to understand Right, it's possible that way, but just literally taking scripture for the sake of let us talk. So, here it says, uh, For God so loved the world. So, what does that mean? For God so loved, I mean, does that mean who's God? So, how does He love the world? That could have been anything, you know. That's how philosophers talk, they'll start telling you all kinds of things, and then everybody will just be confused. Amen. Amen. So, what I'm trying to say is that there's a way knowledge sits in the soul, and it's not just by reading, right. The way knowledge sits in a soul, or what we call spiritual knowledge, is that there must be a revelation, a revelation of the word, right? And you can't talk about revelation without talking about the spirit. Because it is the spirit that brings about revelation, that reveals. Because it's the one Jesus said that it will bring to your remembrance things that I have said to you. And yet things that I will say. So he would, he would not speak of himself. He would take of mine and he will show it to you. What, is, what Jesus is describing to the apostles is that all, the Holy Spirit has a ministry. That ministry is a ministry of revelation. So every believer must love revelation. 
It's like you like a relationship. It's like Joy liked a relationship too much. Amen. Amen. Because I, I know some of our questions here. You're looking, hey, what's this, this one? This, what's the revelation of this one? Okay. Amen. Every believer must love revelation. And that is that one itself is is it first or it flows from a place of relationship with the Holy Spirit. And that is why when we get born again, what the Holy Spirit first of all tries to establish is a relationship. So we get born again, the Holy Spirit begins to work with us, establish a relationship. Because we get to know the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit gets to know us. We get to get acclimatized to the way he brings things, to the way he functions. Because it's strange. No, just imagine maybe you are you are in the middle of something and all of a sudden you just begin to feel some sense of of well springing within. You'll be wondering, what's this one? Ah, is this my emotion? Is this my feeling? No, it's not emotion. It's not feeling. It's the Holy Ghost. Try to bring forth something. Or maybe we are doing something and all of a sudden the Holy Ghost just can just rest on his soul and then we just begin to center and begin to center more into the spirit. It's not those kind of things ordinary it can be it can look scary. It's not. It's just the way Holy Ghost introduces us gradually into his world. Amen. And he's doing that because there are other because it's it's possible if we go without the spirit, other spirit can begin to talk to you know what? Can begin to talk to us. And once the other spirit this is what actually has been happening way before the Holy Spirit. We are already predisposed to spirits. Not the ones that appear to us in our dreams. Not the ones that we think maybe descend from village. No. Naturally, when you see somebody, just naturally see somebody walking on the street and living and just doing things, there's a spirit at work. Because the way spirit transfer themselves into men is by teaching them their own nature. If I... If somebody talks somehow, get angry at them, envy them, or even dissent them, that thing is actually the spirit that teaches. You know, Adam didn't know how to dissent. He didn't know that there's no knowledge of resentment in him. There's no knowledge of strife. There's no knowledge of envy. No, none of that inside him. But he fell. Then all of a sudden, Started knowing something, started knowing sin, started knowing envy, strife, started knowing hypocrisies, you know, things that the scripture began to address. See, a newborn bestiary, wherefore, laying aside all strife, right, envies, he's talking about, so desire the sincere milk of the word that you might grow thereby. Now, you realize that those things are not ordinary, it's called envies. Wow. Oh, should I even read it quickly? I don't know. I'm supposed to. Let me read First uh, Peter chapter two, verse one. So it says here. So wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guise. And hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings. Now, what I'm bringing out of there is that you notice they put envies, they didn't say envy, say envies. What that means is that there are all kinds of envy, they have they have manifold operation. There's a way they, 
one enemy can operate one way, can be another way. Can be another, and when I realized that sometimes maybe we thought maybe we have left envy, and then something happened all of a sudden, now feel that, no, no, there's no, there's that feeling of, well, it's not a feeling, but there's a way we envy, but that envy is a feeling because there's something that springs inside of us that begins to swell what we are feeling. Then we start thinking in a way, like, hmm, why is this person over even having this kind of thing? It's just, it's, it's, it's the way of a spirit that has been taught to men. So there are all kinds, there are manifolds. So maybe when we get born again, that's to some level we can address some envy. Then some, there are some we don't even know. The situation will appear, and then it will spring up. Then we're like, ah! So I'm envying this person. Oh, wow. Oh, we don't even see that. We, maybe. We, have, we would have envied. Yeah. Then we realize, oh, I just envied this person. Oh, what, the, what this thing is actually envy? Because some of those things, we don't even know they are those until later. We're like, wait, this thing has actually envy. Where I'm flowing from towards this person is actually from a place of envy. We don't know, it's just there. But it's spirit that teach men. And that thing is actually a knowledge that is sitting inside the people or inside men. Amen. Amen. So, I'm using this just to explain the way knowledge works. That one is a, that envy is a spiritual knowledge. If that makes sense. So, envy is a spiritual knowledge, but it's a knowledge of a spirit or an evil spirit. Which the spirit has been has been able to successfully teach men. So you don't realize that knowing what envy is doesn't stop people from envying one another. So, so for example, I know. Let's say I know that there is envy, right? I know what envy. Envy means that. Um, well, we can we can talk about envy and jealousy together. So when I'm envying someone, maybe I'm it's some of a way of a flow of a jealousy towards anything that the person has. Mm. Right? And I know that that is bad. But that doesn't stop it uh, flowing out of me. Maybe I heard somebody, maybe somebody, ah, somebody bought a new house and then, ah, I'm outside thinking, oh God, what will you, what will you do my own? Hey, yeah, ah, good, I go, I go for you, God bless you. And as, and as, as I'm saying that, maybe inside me, I'm like, ah, this person has a house now. Like, stop telling me all this thing, Jerry. God, when will you do my own? Or maybe I didn't even say that. Maybe all I'm saying is, God, when will you do my own? But when I, all I'm saying, God, when will you do my own? What is inside of me is that I'm actually envying the person, person that has it. Right? Now, what I'm trying to bring out here is that knowing envy doesn't stop me from leaving it out. So there's a difference between knowing envy and leaving envy. Now, when a soul is leaving it out, it's sitting inside a soul as knowledge. When we just know, when we just know it off here, or just have an idea, okay, we know just mentally, that is not knowledge. Spiritually, spiritual knowledge, that's not spiritual knowledge. So spiritual knowledge is something that a soul has been able to know because it is what the soul knows that it does. Does that make sense? Spiritual knowledge, and this makes sense. Spiritual knowledge is what the soul leaves. Spiritual knowledge is actually the the function of a spirit. How a spirit functions is by spiritual knowledge. If a soul doesn't receive a spiritual knowledge, 
it can't function. In short, a soul does not know anything but a spiritual knowledge. So what souls know is spiritual knowledge. Whether it be it knowledge of God or of evil spirit. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'll soon end up because of time. Amen. Amen. So, as I was saying, there is the transfer of what is the knowledge in the spirit. Is spirit is this, you know? I, I'm ah, I don't know. I've been separating spiritual body, so I'm trying to separate spiritual and body, right? Now, the spirit how can know things, and a soul may not know it. Right now, as a spirit, inside my spirit, there can be deposit of knowledge. So, for example, when I get born again, my spirit is recreated or quickened, right? But my soul needs to be saved because that's what scripture says. They receive with meekness the engrafted word of God, which is able to save your soul, right? So, my spirit, inside my spirit, my spirit knows that there are certain things I cannot do. That is why maybe when I'm about to do something, I can feel unease about it. Yeah. The Holy Ghost can also remind us about it. Mm. So sometimes, when Holy Spirit is talking to us, it's actually through the voice of our own spirit that He speaks to us. Not even Him speaking directly to us. The Holy Spirit does speak directly to people. But most of the time, it's actually through the voice of our spirit. Because there are certain things our spirit knows. So when we're about to do some, some things, I know our spirit is a spirit. So it's almost like it, it's technically functioning in the realm of the spirit all the time. So there are some information it will know that our soul is slow to know. Like I said, the soul is slower than the spirit. So the spirit, having known certain things, will try to communicate to the soul. Ah, I know where this is going. Don't do it. Right? And then the soul, because it is slow, might ignore it because he hasn't seen it. So sometimes when we try to do something, then we feel, I don't feel like doing this thing. Okay, why am I feeling like I shouldn't do this thing? It could be the spirit trying to speak and send signal to the soul that this thing don't do it. So, I'm using that as an example to show that our spirit can know things that our soul has not come into the knowledge of it. So, that our spirit is what we call the spirit man. I don't know if you've heard about it. Spirit man, spirit man. Our spirit man is our spirit that knows a whole lot about the life of God that our soul has not yet learned. Because the way the soul learns is by knowledge, right? Is by learning spiritual knowledge. And that is why it is very slow to kill a man. Does that make sense? So killing this body is not really killing a man. When, you, when the body is killed, yeah, you, just, you just remove that person from the face of the earth. 
the soul moves into the spirit, or the soul and the spirit moves technically into the spirit and t- picks up a body. Wow. And that's it. Start living there. When I say picks up a body, it's not like just a go to a dead body. Oh. So it's not it's not going to say, hey, there's a body, a dead body, maybe a dead body life alone. A dead body when it's dead, it will decay. Yeah. So that's not the body. What I'm saying is that it picks up a spiritual body, just like an angel has a body. So an angel is a spirit that also has a body. So that's why when when an angel comes here now and it reveals itself, we can see see it in its body. But that kind of body that they have is terrestrial. Was it terrestrial? It's celestial. Sorry, because that English the celestial and the terrestrial. So celestial is heavenly, and terrestrial is earthly. So the body is celestial in nature, and the celestial body is superior to a terrestrial body. So that's why when they come here, they can pass through walls. They can, what can they do? Yeah, yeah pass through walls, and they can descend or maybe pass through roof, walk through walls, do other things, like change shape and different things that most people don't know, because it is it is a superior body. For an angel to function. On earth, actually in a hand. So that is why, for an angel to function on earth, it needs a body. So when an angel comes, there are things they can, they, for example, they can manipulate nature, like the wind, the air, things like that. But when it now comes to human beings, they can't manipulate that one. So things that only humans can get done, they can't manipulate that one. So for example. If, if I'm supposed to go and give, or if I'm supposed to go and maybe talk to somebody, console them, and maybe be able to give them some, maybe some form of encouragement or reassurance, an angel would require that me or somebody else, in a way, get a signal. To go and do that kind of a thing, or the, an angel can move me. So the angel can't go and be talking, Hi, how you doing? Okay, I'm just consoling you concerning what has happened to you. And you know what? That's happened. Don't worry, I'm encouraging you, you'll be better. An angel can't usually do that. The only person that does that in a way, in a form, I'm trying to, it's not even like that in a sense because the Holy Spirit. Because sometimes maybe somebody can see a vision and maybe an angel appear and start talking to them and say, do, 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 don't do that. That's different. That's, that's the spectacular. So that one is not, it's not the same. Because that one does not even require the will of somebody. But when it comes to, when it comes to wills at play, you now realize that if an angel will need somebody that has an earthly body to get that done. Does that make sense? So, if they have to, if an angel has to function on earth, it has to pick up an earthly body to function on earth. I say physically function on earth. So that's why they can influence somebody, maybe a human being, maybe you have, maybe I've been praying and then you are just receiving an instruction. Go and talk to this person. Okay. Sometimes when the doctor just comes, let me talk. I've not, I've not spoken to this person in a long while. 
Let me give him a call. She doesn't good thoughts. Can be an angel that just whispered it to you. Call Jude. Call Shade. Call Titi. You don't realize, oh, Titi, oh, let me call But we think maybe it's us that is thinking. No, can just be an angel. And then what do they do? They just influenced us to get things done. When I realize that many things that happen on earth, they are all actually all connected. They are spiritual. Thinking to just go and do something is not ordinary. It's not ordinary at all. Anytime I'm thinking I want to go and do something, something is transacting in the spirit. Something is happening in the spirit. A spirit is speaking. Just that because the reason why we are not used to those kind of things is because we are too we are too used to the natural. We are when it comes to being spiritual, even though we are spirit, when it comes to living spiritually, it's too foreign from us because that is actually what Satan is trying to do. Satan wants us to want to make sure that we are ignorant of the spiritual realm, even though we are spirit. So want to make us totally ignorant of it. Even when we get born again and we have a sense that we are in the spirit, it also is trying to make us even ignorant in many areas in that respect. Why? Because it knows that the moment we have truth, that's it. That's the end. Just imagine that I know clearly what to do, how to live, answers to things. Maybe something, maybe somebody's trying to offend me and I know that and I realize that if I react this way, this, this and that will be the end result. I will not react that way. <laughs> Makes sense. Right, but Satan will not know, no, no. So what Satan is trying to do is to cut us off from actually thinking in that direction. To think, so for example, there's all kinds of things that Satan introduced in the soul, because that area of the soul is where everybody has been trying to take sins. So when Adam took the fruit, right, his spirit died, like I said. So the spirit was cut off from God. But the life that has already moved into the soul is still there. That is what Adam was using to live. He was teaching Cain and Abel, do this, don't do this. Is what I taught them how to sacrifice to God. Or what did they learn it from? When it comes to sacrificing to God, is the one that taught them. Is what that made them realize, okay, you are still living in the face of this area is the face of God. Sacrifice this and that. But Cain. Right or Abel obeyed, but Cain, after some time, began to listen to another voice. Because the moment Adam ate the fruit, he gave room for Satan and his court to begin to influence men through what they call sin. So sin is not just fornication, adultery, lying, backbiting, and all those things. Sin gave birth to those things. Sin in itself is a knowledge. Is a per. Is almost sin is a person. So Satan infused the knowledge of sin in men. So that that's just the issue in the soul. Like I said, you can't just you can't just take a soul because the only way you can take a soul is by knowledge, right? So the moment Adam ate the fruit, the knowledge inside him hasn't changed. Just that they can introduce a new one. And then shut him off from God. I will see the picture now. It's like somebody that is under someone. And I said, see you. Leave your master. Amen. Amen. I'll round up in five minutes, but God will help me. He said, leave your master. 
your master is a bad person. Leave his house. And then person, hey, you sure? Okay, you know what? The person I went to the master. Master, I'm going. Forget about it. There's nothing you and I. Between you and I, we are done. I don't think you have my best interest at heart. I'm going. Then he left. Do that person that advised the person has isolated that person away from the master. That's exactly what Satan did by giving Adam that fruit. Then, by isolating the person away, then it cannot begin to influence the person. So, because that person has no other person they can listen to, they don't have a choice but to start listening to the person you're advising them. So, if that person says, uh -huh, see, now that you have left, it's awesome. See, the way you should be, this thing that your master taught you before is wrong. The way you should be doing it is this. Instead of forgiving somebody that offended you, make sure you keep them at heart. Make sure that when you see them coming from afar, you take, take, don't, see, don't, don't, don't talk to them. You know what? You have to protect yourself. Protect yourself. Throw away toxic people. That's what, so now see how Satan now begins to influence men. Begin to teach us a different way of living. So in short, everything we now know is um, is a totally different way than God initially and originally designed for us to live. Amen. So that's what Satan has done over us. So it's, so that's how he's taking the soul. So when the spirit died, he wants to take man, make sure that the soul is dead. By teaching him death, teaching him how to die. Then, when the soul has fully died, the body will naturally follow suit. And it's actually part of the sign of death that has entered the soul that will begin to see sickness, death, all kinds of diseases, different uh, uh, issues on earth, yeah? mental issues, different, all those things were not there. From the beginning, but it means that, but that, that means that all those things have answer. There's a solution to it, and the solution to it really is in the spirit. If by the help of God we can learn another life, yes, now begin to see that those things yes, will begin to shift away. Yes, they begin to move. Why? Because we are learning another knowledge. Yes, Amen. Amen. So it is Satan. So when Satan keeps killing, keeps killing, keeps killing, there is falling man, because we had the fall of man, Abi. Man fell. The fall, that, what that fell means, what, what that falling means is that we, lived, we left the original life that God gave and then begin to go below it. Keep, and the reason why that can happen is that we are dying. So there's a level of death that will occur in a soul that it will move from here to here to here to here. Amen. Amen. So the same way when Adam died, when we get born again, we don't automatically just move back to the life we had from the beginning. So what getting born again does is that it stops a soul, right? From running away from his master. So when we get born again, the example I gave earlier is what getting born again does is it simply just takes that person that left his master and say, see you. This person you are with is a liar. Return back to your master. Right? So the soul will now return back to the master. But after the soul return, now realize that everything that person has taught that person has not left. 
Just that they just return the person back. And that is what we see when a spirit is soul or when someone gets born again. The spirit is quickened. So when it's dead, shut off from God, they now have to quicken it or give it life. It's now awake unto God. So that God cannot begin to instruct that soul the right way of living. So what that means is that, see all this death that is in the soul. God needs to erase it totally. Because if he doesn't erase it, we will still be using that same life and knowledge to live. Right? So God needs to erase all that and then make sure that the spirit, the soul, and the body is fully healed. Amen. So what God is looking for, or when it comes to Christianity, right? What we are look, what God is trying to do is to make sure that He heals the soul, He heals the body, and the spirit is healed. Amen. Amen. There's a lot of work. Yes, sir. A lot of work. Because yes, I mean, this was what was puzzling a lot of us when we you know, when we got born again and we were still realizing that ah, why are we still doing some things we should not do? Like what's happening? What's happening? And then we now begin to see different things. Maybe even in the body, maybe some Christians do what they're not supposed to do. But what is happening? Like, this is the missing link. Mm. Because before we thought when we get born again, that's all. Yes, sir. But actually, that's not. Yes, There's actually death that must be removed from the soul. So when we get born again, God is going to restore us back to Himself. But then He now needs to start teaching us His own life. His own life. Now, the original plan of God from the beginning has not ended, right? The original plan is that he will share his life. So, but to share his life, he needs to remove the foreign life, right? That is in the soul of a man. Remove it and replace it with his own. So even though the life that God wants to teach us, let's say it's here, because it's where it was when he created Adam. Okay, I created Adam like this and I want to give my life to him. Okay, let me start teaching him his mind. Let me start teaching him my life. Right? It was here that the journey started. But then we're falling down here. So God can't give us that life that he wanted to give us in the beginning when we, got, when we just created man. So you now have to remove all this bad, bad knowledge. We stand so back here. They start now teaching him the original life. Wow. <laughs> Does that make sense? And that is why God needs to redeem the soul. And that's why he has to hide himself. Now that hiding himself is just that yeah, I can't give you yet this life. Let me introduce, let me erase what is currently in here first. So God, there's and there's a whole lot of process that goes to him erasing all these things. Right? And that's the reason for giving us the scripture. Because the scripture, through them of the truth, we actually get us there. The secret to dealing with all those deaths in the soul is actually in scripture. Just that heaven needs to open our eyes to see them. It must be seen. That, and you can't, you can't see it without the spirit. You must have the spirit. Not in a little measure. In a high measure. Why? Because when we get born again, we get a little of the spirit. But there's what we call the infilling of the spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's why we keep getting filled. Keep getting, until we are full of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Now when we are full of the Holy Ghost, as I have been filled, God can now start introducing us to things pertaining to life. 
Because we are not even ready to learn those lives yet when we get born again. Right? So we get born again, but we also turn to our, our maker. Then the owner will not say, okay, take Holy Ghost. Get familiar with the Holy Spirit first. When you are familiar with the Holy Spirit, then I can start giving you my life little by little. Little by little. Little by Because you can't take it all at once. Because the world, the soul, like I mentioned, is a world of knowledge. So they need to start teaching the soul, knowledge, things of God. So that's the, that's the reason for knowledge. You know that if you remove soul, right, from men, right, and you just have spirit and body, you now realize that in this world, there will be a need for knowledge. It is because of the nature of the soul that you have books. Right? Because those, what those things keep are knowledges. Right? Knowledge that a souls have discovered. So when they discover, they write, put it in the book so that when somebody else reads it, they can gain that knowledge. So if somebody gains the knowledge, how can I share with people? Let me write it down. Because just telling people is not enough. You need to put it in a place where somebody can keep go, get, can go back, review it again, and keep looking at it. Review and keep, uh-huh. so now realize why God will give us the scripture. Why didn't just when you get born again, just land and suddenly you Genesis to Revelation? In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Oh, God could have done that, right? In short, angel, you can just send one angel and go and tell this person Genesis to Revelation. No. So now, now realize the wisdom of even writing God's word in scripture. Is for the purpose of knowledge. Wow. Is that so? Knowledge for the soul. To, and that knowledge is supposed to give access to God's life. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. And I, I think ah, time has gone. I don't want to take our time today. Because I know for the first past few meetings, I've been trying to keep to time so that we don't take too much time. But I don't know how long this will last for sure. But I think I will stop because I, I know I've not finished where I'm supposed to finish. But I think this is enough. Amen. Amen. So I guess that will take us to just lastly close in closing. I know on Saturday we started talking about being born again, right? So in John three three, you see where Jesus was answering Nicodemus. Right, he says, Jesus answered and said unto him, because he, because he was asking Jesus, right, said, because is a master come from God, he said, what shall I, what shall I do? He said, okay, wait, wait, that, that's, that's even different. Let me read this chapter from verse 2. So the same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. No, verse 3. Jesus answered and said unto him, Very, very, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now realize that, you know that Nicodemus was not asking Jesus about the kingdom. He just said, You are a master. Right? Rabbi. You know that that a teacher come from God. But I'm just saying something new here. Which actually didn't occur to me before. It says you are a teacher. And a teacher is different from a healer. You know what most people do is they just heal. Although Jesus has been teaching, you know, parables and different things and whatnot, right? 
But says you are a teacher. It means that he recognized something different. A teacher is he who can give knowledge. Does that make sense? So if he's a teacher, so it means that ah, there's something about this person that has to do with knowledge. So it's not just the miracles. Because it says that that teacher that come from God, for no man can do these miracles that that do except God be with him. So Nicodemus' focus is not necessarily the miracles. You know that this guy has more than that. See, because ah, these miracles are just these miracles just shows where you are from. Because no one can do these things except God be with you. So what is actually looking for if you look at it, is that there is God be with him. So technically, in a way, maybe he's looking for that kind of a thing. Where God can be with him also. He said, no one can do these miracles except God be That is his goal. Now I now understand why Jesus answered him. Because Jesus discerned him. Now I answered him and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Because he's looking, he's, what, is, he's, what is he looking for is God, really. Can I get him? So Jesus now began to talk to him about the kingdom of God. He said, except you are born again, you can see the kingdom of God. And like I said, this born again here, right? Now, of course, because we are, ah, when, 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 I, when I go, well, when I go to the baby, I also grew up in a Christian home. When we say, when we read the scripture, it says, being born again, being born again just means that we go through new birth. I've given my life to Jesus. Now, new birth is different from what Jesus is saying here. But of course, we can talk about new birth. Right? Now, new birth is what I was also explaining earlier, that when we get born again, right, or when we experience new birth, our spirit is saved, but our soul needs saving. Because how they save a soul is by giving the soul knowledge. And there, there are things pertaining to the soul that would allow that to happen. First, is that you must open the eye of the soul. Because that eye was shut when Adam ate the fruit in the garden. Because it's, it's, And their eyes were both opened. When they say their eyes were both opened in Genesis, what they're really saying, if you look at it very well, because of time I'm not going to go there too much, what they're really saying is that their eyes were shut. Right? So if their eyes were shut, it means that they need to open that eyes again. And that, what that means is that until Jesus, every eye was shut. Even, even though you can see visions, prophets came, the, you know, the Old Testament and everything, it was still with short sight. They were not all seeing the kingdom of God yet. So Jesus began to say, hey, so, so, so you want God? Okay. If you want God, be born again. So when we not get born again, what that means, or when we say with new birth, because being born, when you talk about getting born again, or I guess this is a perfect word to use, right? And it's in, we'll find it in Peter. Right. Let me read it. First Peter, I think that's what I'll say, then round up and then we'll go. Amen. Uh, first Peter, Is in chapter one, right? First Peter, 
First Peter chapter one, and I will read from verse. It should towards the end. Where is it? Where is it? Verse twenty-three. Yes. Now, let me read from verse twenty-two to give us a context. So, seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, unto offend love of the brethren. So, see that ye love one another with a pure heart, fervently. And I said something. It said, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Amen. Amen. Now, I'm not going to explain this particular verse up until the end. What I want to bring out here is the first two words. It said, being born again. That's the first three words. Of it. Being born again. What does that mean in English? It means that no being is a present continuous. So, say, being born again. What happens is that it's not one time that a soul will be born again. I think that makes sense. Now, a believer does not get born again once. The one we give a lot to Christ is the first being born again. But there are other bad things, or there are other burning against that we will do. And it is clear in this John 3. Because you notice that it says, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom. Then later, except a man be born of the spirit, except a man be born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter. Right? In verse uh, 5. Except a man be born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter. Not only there are two things that Jesus is talking about. First, see, two, entry. Those, and you notice that it will say, except a man be born. Jesus was talking about two different things. As le- different times of being born again. So there's a born again that happens when we give a life to Christ. There's a born again that happens that makes us to see the kingdom of God. Does that make sense? Yes, yeah? We get born again. Now, when we talk about being born again, it's, it's talking about an activity of salvation that is taking place in the soul. Does that make sense? Being born, getting born again is an activity of salvation. In the, in the program of salvation, it's an activity that takes place in you. So when that activity happens, a soul is born. If another activity of salvation happens again, the soul is also born again. Does that make sense? So, Jesus is now saying to Nicodemus here, I'm running up, and that's the first one that means. Jesus was saying to Nicodemus, except a man be born again, he cannot see. So Jesus just died to explain to him one aspect. So when we get give experience new birth, is being born is is born again. We got born again. Then there's another activity through the help of the Spirit or by the giving of the of the Spirit of Revelation that happens that actually is classified as being born again in the Spirit. And what happens is that we now begin to see the kingdom clearly. But it doesn't mean that we have entered into the kingdom of God. But that doesn't mean we are children of Satan. We are still children of God. But when they are talking about the kingdom of God, it's not just that I am no longer a sinner, I'm not a child of God. The kingdom of God is talking about the, 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 ah, 
the only way I can explain is that that kingdom represents the, the keeping of God's life. What is inside the kingdom of God is the life of God. So what life of God is beginning to come to a soul and begin to explain to a soul what God's life is. It means that kingdom is beginning to come to that soul. So when a soul is now receiving that life and is beginning to live that life, that soul can move into the kingdom of God. Meaning that it is now living a life that is of God. So when Nicodemus was asking Jesus, you are a teacher, you have, his, you have a knowledge that archives God's life. Because he's saying you are a teacher that comes from God, because you can't do all this miracle except God be with you. So now taking Nicodemus' thoughts, because Nic- you know who Nicodemus is. Um, but let's read it. Ah, no, I said I closed my Bible. Nicodemus is a is a rich young ruler. That's 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 what I want. Is he a rich one? I think so. He's a Pharisee. He's not the one that Jesus said that said. Hey, I thought it's the rich young ruler that came to Jesus. And said, I have done. Jesus said, "Go and do all that is reasonable." Said, "No, I have done of them for my youth." He said, "Ah, you done Now go and sell all that you have and follow." That's in Matthew, I believe, right? So, Nicodemus is. It's different. Nicodemus is not the rich young ruler. Nicodemus is uh, the Pharisee. He said there was a man of the Pharisee named Nicodemus. Now, who is that? That means he's a Jew. Right? Now, what that means is that is not because when you talk about this, all these rulers, all these because most of them are priests and all those all those guys, they know, see all those old testament, they know everything, they know the law. They know the law, of the, like they are, they are pretty much lawmakers based on the law. You get what I mean? That everything that is in the Old Testament, the laws that you must keep it. That's that's what they are about. If you don't keep it, they'll stab you. You are not keeping the law. You are, even though they themselves they are not obeying it, but they are the police of the law, eh? catching everybody. So it just means that they are knowledgeable, even though they may not have salvation fully, but they they. The th- when it comes to the things about God, knowledge of God, it's not foreign to them. And that is why when Jesus made statements like, I am the son of God, he says he's calling himself the son of God, why do you think they are angry? And a, a Gentile or somebody that does not know God in, a, in a, that way will not get angry because they don't know what it means to be called a son of God. But those Pharisees and Sadducees, they know exactly what it means when you call yourself a son because they said thereby making himself equal with God. Now, when you just to look at that, it means that their knowledge is not just it's not it's not uh, what is that shallow. Like if somebody says you're a son of God, you just think oh it's an offspring, he came. So it's not the same as that person. Just but they know that what it means for somebody to say they are son, they are a son of God means that they are equal. Which wow. that person is God. Pretty much that's what they are saying. Yeah. But they in their own person, they're like, how can you be God now? You are just a man. No. Our God is one. You cannot say that. So that tells you the kind of person that they are. So when Nicodemus came, he said, and for for, for that kind of person to not come secretly in the night to Jesus, it's not saying Jesus. We know I no no say I know that thou art a teacher come from God. 
So that word is just the key to what is in Nicodemus' heart. You are a teacher come from God. Means that this person is to teach God. And if this person teaches God to a soul, it means that that person can become a son, which means they will be equal with God. So, and you know, he's a ruler too. Sorry, he's not a ruler. He's a, he's a Pharisee. Why am I confusing him with a ruler? But those Pharisees too, they love to rule. That's another thing in them. So, for them to, for them to have God's knowledge, it means that they can have dominion. So, they themselves can say, I am a son of God. That is hard to them. So, maybe he's trying to tell Jesus, Jesus, teach me God so that I can be God. Because you are a teacher that comes from God. And if you are a teacher that's come from God, that means who you are supposed to teach is God. And that was what Jesus was teaching. That's what he was teaching. Forget all those uh, parables and everything. All Jesus was just teaching is God and his kingdom. So Jesus did not waste time. Just went straight to answer him. Oh, well, very rarely I said to you, except a mommy born again, you cannot see the kingdom. Technically, he's telling him, you are not yet seeing the kingdom. You can't even see it. And you must be born again. Then he was not asked, ah, how can somebody enter his mother the second time? Can his mother the second time and be born? Just say, except a man be born of the water and the spirit, you cannot enter. Just don't even answer his question. Just move further. He continued from where he stopped. He's telling him, the first process is that you see. The second is that you enter. And then perhaps you can inherit the kingdom. Because actually, when you talk about Christianity, it's actually about inheritance. And what you and I are supposed to inherit is the kingdom. Or technically saying we are supposed to inherit God. And that's it. All our journey is really inheriting God. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. So, Jesus was telling Nicodemus the secret. It is to be born. You must be born again. How can you be born again? By spirit. What will ensure that you are born is spirit. And there's something the spirit will use. is called water. Because you know, when, you, when somebody is being born, you know two things are involved. Blood and water. Now, when a woman is giving birth, that's what you see. Blood, water. Blood, water. So when Jesus was saying all these things, water, all these things, they're actually all together. But who will, who will facilitate this birthing is the spirit. Without the spirit, forget being born again. Without the spirit, forget seeing the kingdom. Without the spirit, forget entering the kingdom. It means the spirit is essential to the process. And that's just telling us that we must love the spirit. We must love the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit is very, is key. If we are not filled with the Spirit, we must pray to be filled. Keep getting filled. Keep, we must get to the point that we love Spirit, we love God, we love things spiritual so much so that the spiritual world is not foreign from us. It's not strange. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I think I'll stop here today. I, I, sorry, I had to just spend another 15 minutes because when I wanted to stop, I felt in my heart that, ah, that would not be a good place to end. But I think now it's okay. I think we have something to learn. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Any questions before we round up today? If there are no questions, then 
I wait, I wait till next week. Maybe we'll have you know, processed things a little bit. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yes. Go ahead. What's your question? Yes, sir. So you know how you're saying in the beginning that yeah. the monarchy is a, um, is a form of the something in general. I don't know what you call it. So I just wonder if, like, if the kingdom is the same as that or not. So while we start, when we started, right, I was explaining that the tabernacle is a representation of the tabernacle in heaven. So God gave Moses the tabernacle on earth as it's almost like a, a rep. It's, it's, it's not the exact same, right? It's a replica of, of what is in heaven. So in the heaven now, in reality, in the, in the heavens, you have the tabernacle, you have courts, Right, you have all those uh, things that they put in there, like the altar of incense, the altar of sacrifice. All those things they are there in the heavens. Before God gave it to Moses to build something like that on earth, which is just representing God's kingdom. So it's not it. It just no one said represent means that it's something that signify it, but it's not exactly it. So it's just showing. The kingdom, how it is arranged. And then God is using also that arrangement to teach us how we will come to him. right? Because God needs something he can use to uh, make that, for, for his soul to make reference for knowledge's sake. Or if not, how can we picture it? Unless somebody goes there, sees it, ah, something like this is there. Come, you have to write it down. And so, so that's what God is doing by giving Moses that thing, just to, to show us things pertaining things to come. Because in Hebrews, Paul was making us realize that for what God gave Moses is a shadow of better things to come. A shadow means that it's not the original, it's just, it's just something that looks like it. Right? But it's not the original. Looks like it, but that look alike in a way is to help us so that we can at least picture have a sense of what the original will look like so that we are not too we are not too estranged from the original amen amen So um, what I'll say is that it's a process, right? In the sense that when we start reading our Bible, the first thing we do is at least we have to read it. Know what is inside there, right? And that's what I mean by it is not enough. Because if you just read it and leave it like that, then we can't, we can't have insight into exactly what God is really saying. But when we read it, we have an idea what is there. Then the Spirit would have something to work with. Now, the reason is that God does not speak outside his word. Now, and this is the word he has given to us for the purpose of communing and communicating with us. Right. Now, when we take the Bible, we are to read it. 
But what I'm saying is not enough that we should just read it and forget it like that and think, okay, that's it, that's forget it. <laughs> there are other things that goes into it, like meditating on the word, uh, as we read in uh, Joshua, which God was telling him that this word will not depart from your mouth, right? On it shall you meditate day and night. So there are activities that goes into uh, what it comes into the, I call it the ritual of engaging the scripture. It's not a ritual, I'm just... <laughs> so when I, so I say the ritual means that just the, the things, the, the process, things around it, right? So, what that means is that the word shall not depart from your mouth today, and that means that it's something that we are accustomed with. Now, so we shouldn't just read it and leave it and go. We should read it and also wait for the Holy Spirit to bring insight concerning the word. Does that make sense? Now, when I say that the Holy Spirit would uh, bring insight, it's not, well, there are different ways Holy Spirit speaks and moves. Now, because he has many, many ways he functions, but part of it is actually, but it doesn't work without our own spirit. So it is actually from within, right, that we begin to recognize the voice of the spirit, right? Now, this thing will not, this thing will not even happen one day because it takes time, right? It takes time. Then, as we are get, as we are beginning to uh, build, want <laughs> I mention, I will begin build relationship with the spirit. And it gets easier and better and better and better. Sometimes we can read, and all of a sudden, it's almost like a sudden, almost like a sudden realization of what the word is saying. It is the spirit that is speaking. And when he's speaking, he speaks with our own spirit because he bears witness with our spirit. Now, because it's a spirit, it's, it's, then that area is very is, is, is almost difficult to explain how you would do it. Now, because, of course, sometimes it can just descend on you, but then that one, I don't even have what to explain it, because English. English, there's no English word for that. That just, that just this is, I mean, maybe there is. Do you have an English word for that one? The one Holy Ghost. Because the only way you can say in English is that spirit will rest on you. But that's what that means in reality. And that's all that means. Is that I don't even have a word for it in English. Right? But it's something you would know. Because the Holy Spirit would bear witness with your spirit. So, and when He bears witness with your spirit, you will know for a fact that the Holy Spirit is speaking. It just means that you should, you should just build relationship with the Holy Spirit. Right? Get accustomed. Because the Holy Spirit is a person. Right? So, the Holy Spirit is. Let me put this way. Holy Spirit is more real than John that is sitting right next to you. you know, the, same, the same way she's sitting right next to you and like, oh, there's a real person sitting right next is much more real than that. Yeah. That's the only way I can describe it. Yes, sir. And because it's real and it's a person and the same way you can interact with a person, you can talk, the person will talk back, you know, you can have a relationship with someone. Know how you feel when you're talking to someone Right? And when that person is talking to you, you know, there's all those emotion things that flow, all those that come together. And that's the same way the Holy Spirit works with us, especially when we are even reading the Word. Sometimes we read, you won't feel any emotion. Nothing or you just read, but it doesn't mean that we'll stop. Just that we can't just, we can't just read and just take things at face value like that and assume that's just it. Does that make sense? Yes, so, 
An example is, let's say, Psalm 145, say, praise you the Lord, praise you the Lord, O my soul. Of course, we take it as the psalm is saying, praise ye the Lord, praise ye the Lord, O my soul. But now, as, no, maybe you are meditating on it. Holy Spirit can just lift that same verse. Mm. Mm. Right? And then begin to explain to you what it means. And can use that to give you insight mm. into things. Maybe he can use it to even comfort you and me. Oh, praise mm. Lord. Oh, it means that my soul should praise. And all of a sudden, you now realize that, oh, I will be praising the Lord. I will be praising the Lord. But maybe it is there before that I will praise the Lord. But you no, know, we never even made any, any commitment or sense of it. Then, Holy Spirit can just make these words alive. And that, maybe that's the word I would use. Right? See this, all this, everything that is written inside this word is alive, is living. And we can have a sense of that by you know just knowing what it means for something to be living. So for example, when somebody is living, they can walk on the street, they can they can eat. It means that it does things, it moves, there's movement. The same way this scripture can move. And our soul can recognize that. Because what it means to live is in the soul. The soul understands and recognizes that. Yeah. So when the scripture begins to move, the soul can relate. So that is why it won't be strange to you. So there are just what I'm now saying is that we shouldn't just take the word and run it long without waiting for that movement of the word. It just means that there's much more than just reading plain text. The word is alive, it speaks. And the spirit is what brings it alive to a soul. And is is an is an activity that a soul can really really that is really that a soul can enjoy. And the, I guess what I can also say is that we can also pray for it. Maybe if we, if we are not having it, we can pray for it. Because at least that's part of what I did. When, for example, maybe I read the scripture, and I guess maybe I was just honest at that time. Said, when I read it, how could you what say? I don't understand it. But it is there. So, for example, it says, These are the statutes and judgments which you have observed doing the land with the Lord. I'm like, Okay, I'll read it. But as I read everything, it does not make any sense to me. But I didn't stop. I just kept reading it. It's because part of it is probably because where I come from, my parents put it in my head to always read my Bible. So, I'll just read it. I'll take Psalms because I thought that one is mostly relatable. I'll take Psalms, read the Psalms. Uh, uh, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want that one. Is very common. After I read it, I don't know what it means, so, but I'll read it. Now I feel okay that okay, I've read scripture, I've, never, I've, I've read the psalm. But wow. and it's so funny that the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want it. Is clear and that the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Why is it so difficult to understand? It just means that something has not yet awoken in me, right? I am not, I'm not yet aligning with the spirit. Because I'm not alive to the spirit as I should. Yeah. And I've not allowed this. Because I'm not alive to the spirit, of course, my relationship with the spirit is hindered. Right? Yeah. So it makes it difficult for the Holy Spirit to flow into that aspect of my life. Right? Yeah. And, that is what, and, it is, and that's how it's, how it's meant to be that Holy Spirit should flow. Right? In our, and also flow through the world. So, but because maybe there might be some limitations and some maybe hindrances or maybe some um, 
or let me say maybe not because we perhaps because we don't know because I think that's also about what happened to me. He said that maybe I, I didn't know that I have to be like that, but I know that I can read. I can read, but I don't have any culture of waiting or meditating on the word so that the word can begin to smooth and come alive. It was later than I learned that then I now meditate, meditate on the word. And as I begin to meditate, then I now realize that the word will all of a sudden come alive and then begin to speak to me, begin to speak to me, begin to speak to me. So, when I say reading our Bible is not enough, does not mean that I'm not saying that we're showing you reading it at all. I'm just saying that there is mo- there's much more than just reading. And part of it also is um, receiving revelation by the Spirit, which the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, brings when it begins to move in the world. Because the Holy Spirit is the mind of God, which begins to show us what God is saying in His Word. I don't know if that, did that answer the question? Thank you. Amen. Any other question? I guess. I guess not because of time. Okay. If there are no questions. Can we just begin to thank God for today? Father, we thank you. We give you all the praise. We thank you for your mercy and your kindness. We say that we exalted Lord in Jesus' name. Mahata vene moshita vare capreto vene mata. Perito fini masite keriato zote preni mushita karia zote venem zote venem mushita karitas the preniato venem mushita zento venem my father we thank you we thank you father for your mercy for your kindness today for all that you have done for us allowing us to find grace in your word so be thou exalted in Jesus name thank you father in Jesus mighty name we have prayed. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your mercy and kindness. We thank you for how you have helped us to find access into your word. We say be thou exalted in Jesus' name. Lord, we pray, Lord, that as we even begin to give ourselves to the things you are saying, that you will help us to come and to have insight into your word, even much more than we do right now in the name of Jesus. Father, we pray, O Lord, that the work of salvation which you are doing in each and every one of us will come to completion in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we pray, O Lord, for the ministration of your spirit. I will ask for these activities to be raised higher in each and every one of us in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we pray for the breath of your spirit. Father, to begin to move upon your word, even as we begin to read them and meditate upon them in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we pray, O Lord, for sight. We ask, Lord, that you will open our eyes to behold your wondrous works out of thy law in the mighty name of Jesus. We pray, O Lord, that the help needed to begin to see your kingdom. You begin to minister to each and every of our hearts in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we pray for the activity of the Holy Ghost. Father, to make him real much more than he is real to each and every one of us, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we pray for the infilling of your spirit. Fill us afresh. Make us full of your spirit. Let your life find expression in us. Thank you, Father, because you've answered our prayer. For in Jesus' mighty name, we are praying. You dwells between the cherubim, shine for. You dwells between the cherubim, shine for. You dwells between the cherubim, shine for.